the micro things, the daily things. Doing the good works he's prepared for us, glorifying him in all things, even when it's hard. And you guys, we're gonna we're gonna struggle to walk in the spirit of these things. But I think I think there's humility in, in being like, I'm gonna struggle, but I still want to be married to you, Jesus, and I want to live like I'm married. I think it looks like big decisions too, not just daily things. Uh, for a second, turn to the person next to you and give them a high five or something because we're all so tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's late. It's late. I'm tired and I'm old. It's about my next one. Okay. Okay. I think some of the macro things, you guys. What? I think some of the macro things of being married to Jesus look like this: life decisions, like your career, your job, where you live, who you marry, and date, like. It's not that you need God to tell you a sign from heaven on all these things, but you need to be open to it. You need to be processing with it. You ultimately need to know scripture and allow it to guide you, but also allow the Holy Spirit to personally speak to you. I think we're in real danger of not hearing God when we're not willing to do what he says. I think God already knows if we're not going to do it, sometimes he just won't speak to us because it's wasted words. Sometimes it's really good when we'll shout in our ears, though. I pray, I pray God will shout in our ears when we need to hear it. I think also being married to God looks like serving the church. That's hard for me to say because, you guys, I have a lot of wounds and frustrations and cre- a critical spirit with the church, to be honest. I mean, I've been going to church for like 10 years. I'm not a good dude, guys. Um, this is the truth. But what I realized if you're going to be set apart for God, you're going to love the things he loves. And he loves the church no matter how hurtful and frustrating it is. He loves the church. Capital C, big church. If, if, if you're avoiding church, if you're critical of church, if you're hurt by church, I'm not saying jump in church this the upcoming Sunday. I'm saying you have to be on a process with God in that instead of stay stuck, okay? I also think it looks like evangelizing and not having every single one of our friends be completely in this Christian bubble. We need to kind of poke our heads out and go where the Spirit's leading us without borders to maybe friends that have hurt us in the past or maybe groups that are a little bit shady or, or maybe just people who don't know Jesus. We we got to not get stuck in that either. It's great to have Christian friends and family, and that's a launching pad for you to live in. But it's a launching pad for you to go out in the world. And that's what Jesus is about, seeking and saving the lost. Woo. So I think that looks uh, some examples of what it means to walk in the Spirit. Now, sanctification. I'm almost done on it. But sanctification is kind of this weird word in Scripture, and we talk about it in two ways in Christianity a lot. Let me make clear. Sanctified means to be set apart. That is an act, I believe, is done at salvation when Jesus purifies our heart by the sprinkling of his blood on the cross. That's something that's done in Jesus. You can't become more holy. You can't not become more holy. You can certainly live more holy. You can certainly experience more maturity in Christ. But I think what Jesus did on the cross is not 60% done and then you work out the last 40%. That's not what it means to be set apart. He's already accomplished. Sanctified is an identity, not a process. Now, there is a process, like I said, of becoming more mature, of, of, of becoming more like Jesus. But it doesn't mean you're becoming more holy. And I think it's helpful to know that so you're not always trying to climb the holy hill of finally becoming like Jesus. He calls you a son and daughter. 
And he has made you that. We're just not always awake to that. And well, we, then we get into this weird thing where we're like, well, it's positional. Like, we're positionally sanctified. Like, you know, I know God knows I'm righteous. I know he knows I'm holy. But, like, I also know who I am. And I'm not righteous and holy because, like, look what's in my heart. Look at the things I've done. Look at the things I'm struggling with. And we think, well, God made, like, we kind of think like God's blind. Like, yeah, he sees us as holy. Sure, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, he does. And he sees us as righteous. And, mm-hmm. But I know who I really am. I know what I've really done. I know that I don't, I'm, I don't actually feel holy. No, no, no. We're blind and God's not. God sees us as holy. God sees us as pure in Christ. And we don't really understand it. We don't live up to it. We don't walk into it. But it's still true. And God is waiting for us to catch up to it. And he's constantly trying to show us to discover the purity and the holiness we do have in Christ and to live from that place of identity rather than process of trying. And I'm not saying that means you're perfect and have no sin or any of that kind of weird thing. Again, there's a lot of theological things we can take apart here. What I'm saying, though, is there's power in the identity of being set apart, and I believe it's accomplished by Jesus. We've gone through three identities. Elect, exile, sanctified. We've got one more to go through. Sprinkled. If you guys look back at the verse, sprinkled. We look back at the verse. At the end, he says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. They were sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Sprinkling of the blood is powerful. In Hebrews 9 says, without 922, it says, without the sprinkling of the blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The sprinkling of the blood is what purifies us. It points back to the sin offering stuff in the Old Testament, where they would literally take, uh, like let's say on the Day of Atonement, they would take a goat, the high priest would slit its throat and take a bowl. It's weird that I'm acting this out. <laughs> the high priest, though, but it's powerful. There's so much power once you understand what blood actually means in Scripture. Uh, they would take a bowl, and they would slit the, the goat's throat, and they'd fill the bowl with its blood. And then after the priest was cleansed himself, he would go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and he would start sprinkling the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. The sprinkling of the blood is essentially this spiritual bleach that's washing away the stains of people's sin. And it's purifying them. Purifying means to take something that's defiled and make it clean and holy. He would sprinkle the blood all over the Holy of Holies because the innocent life of the goat would cover over, that's what atonement means, to cover over, it would cover over the sins of the people and God would see purity and declare them as purified. I think we need to know that it's in Jesus we are truly purified. They're truly made clean. And I know it's an old gospel truth you learned in Sunday school. But dude, how much do we not actually live in that belief? What, what if we really knew we were purified by Jesus? I think we would stop working for it. We would start working from it, if that makes sense. We'd start working from a place of being saved. We'd start working from a place of this is who I am in Christ. These, these four identities, we're going to be um, launching off them all week as we go further into First Peter. There are things, I think, 
this weekend to open up to God and, and, and consider how you really see yourself. Consider how you really see yourself as a Christian. Do you see yourself as a chosen holy possession? As appointed for a purpose to bless others and represent him? To be elect? I know I can believe that more. Do you see yourself as an exile or if you kind of pointed your eyes down at this earth and started to make it your home? Do you see yourself as set apart or are you wandering around in this world not living out the fullness of your marriage with Jesus? Do you see yourself as the pure son and daughter of God by the blood of Jesus sprinkled for you on the cross? I need a greater understanding of these things. I need the Lord to speak in my identity. I'm going to the beach tomorrow morning. Putting my toes in the sand. Symbolically letting the waves wash over my feet. Like letting the love of God seep into my heart and wash over me. And letting him restore, remind, and refresh my identity. I'm going to pray so we can get to bed eventually. Um, I don't know what else is supposed to happen. So. Uh, Jesus. I just thank you that you don't leave us alone in our sin. I thank you, you you are faithful even when we are kind of rotted spouses of you, when we have grown distracted. Um, I thank you that you still call us to yourself, are patient with us, are gentle with us, and yet are jealous for us to be living in the fullness of our fellowship with you. Help us, Jesus. Protect us from all spiritual distraction and attack. Help these words late at night sink into our heart. Give us space, Lord, to, to be with you this weekend. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.